Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town. Ghost Town is me, Rebecca Lieb. And me, Jason Horton. And we explore all kinds of weird history, true crime, hauntings, paranormal events, and more. We cover the Slenderman stabbing, Tesla's death ray, the D.B. Cooper copycat, the cheerleader murder plot, Heaven's Gate, the Lars Midtank mystery, and Tuesday's Child, Ellie's first satanic magazine, just to name a few. You can find Ghost Town on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 1999, the mystery of Ricky McCormick baffles everyone, and Y2K leaves the world in a digital panic. I'm Jason Horton, and this is Strange Year. 20 years. Can you believe it? It's been 20 years since the Prince Party song 1999 suggested that we should party like the world was ending. Bill Clinton was acquitted, Columbine, The Matrix, Backstreet Boys... It was a year to end all years, and 20 years later, we're still here. Before we crash headfirst into the new millennium, let's get into what made 1999 a strange year. The encrypted notes of Ricky McCormick, June 1999. Ricky McCormick was found dead on June 30th, 1999. The only clues to what happened to Ricky were two encrypted notes found in his pocket. The body of Ricky McCormick was discovered between a cornfield and a road in St. Charles County, Missouri. The police considered it a criminal dumping ground. Ricky was 41 years old. He suffered from chronic heart and lung problems. He was last seen at an Amoco gas station that he worked at part-time three days a week before his remains were found. His body was discovered more than 20 miles from his home. Ricky didn't drive or even own a vehicle, and public transportation wasn't available in the area. Ricky's body was badly decomposed, which was strange because the medical examiners believed he had only died three days prior. Authorities believed that Ricky was killed elsewhere and brought to that location. The medical examiner classified Ricky's cause of death as undetermined after an autopsy and toxicology exam was completed. The authorities, however, considered the case a homicide. The only possible clues to what happened to Ricky were two notes found in his pockets. The notes seemed to be cryptic messages that no one could decipher. At the time of Ricky's death, no mention was made of these cryptic notes until they were revealed by the FBI's Cryptanalysis Racketeering Records Unit has this case listed as one of its top unsolved cases, and Ricky McCormick's killer has not yet been identified. Ricky's family claims that he has not been known to write cryptic messages. According to Dat's End on Reddit, quote, Ricky's aunt, who he lived with much of his life, said he could read and write, but not well. He was severely dyslexic at a bare minimum. His friends and aunt said he would write notes like this occasionally. My personal belief is that it's not a code at all. It's written by a man who knows the sounds most letters make, but has zero spelling ability. I think it should be read phonetically, but keeping in mind he's severely dyslexic. I think one of the notes refers to what the doctors told him at the hospital, and most of the rest are nothing more than the disorganized ramblings of a homeless paranoid schizophrenic who knew he was being hunted by his murderer, drug-dealing boss. I'm almost positive the brother of the man who owned the gas station killed him. He had shot at least two other people, including one of his own brothers, I believe. The Y2K Panic, December 
1999. A Senate panel describes Y2K, the year 2000 computer bug, as a worldwide crisis. I have to admit I wasn't affected by the Y2K bug, even though I was an early adopter of the internet, and that's perhaps because I didn't understand the supposed gravity of the situation, and we weren't as reliant on technology, at least in comparison to how much we are right now. To refresh your memory on the Y2K bug, the millennial bug, and Y2K panic overall, the Y2K bug refers to the problems arising from a date transition in computer systems switching over from 1999 to 2000. It was expected to bring down computer systems, infrastructure, including banks and power plants. There were a few minor issues once January 1st, 2000 arrived, but there were no major malfunctions. Some say there was a smooth transition undertaken by businesses and government organizations to correct the Y2K bug in advance. A lot of the concern and panic came from financial institutions, as they were known to be running on outdated technology. Many were also concerned about the economy and the stock market. The global estimates to fix the Y2K bug were between 400 million and 600 billion. The US government passed the Year 2000 Information and Readiness Disclosure Act to prepare for the event and formed a President's Council that consisted of senior officials from the administration and officials with agencies like FEMA. The council monitored efforts made by private companies to prepare their systems for the event. There were, however, a few problems that arose from the Y2K bug. U.S. spy satellites stopped working for a few days. A video store in upstate New York charged someone over $91,000 in late fees because it was, at least according to them, 100 years overdue. For the film, The General's Daughter, starring John Travolta, this made national headlines and the problem was quickly fixed and the customer was given a free rental for his troubles. Glitches in the alarm systems for some Japanese nuclear power plants caused a scare, but was quickly corrected. There were also no shortage of companies and businesses capitalizing on the Y2K scare with Y2K survival kits. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud. Fuel innovation with responsible AI and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. It's 2 a.m., January 1st, year 2000. Power's out. It's pitch black. You need light. If you planned ahead, you'll have one of these. Just wind it up. You'll have light and communication. Call now and get the ultimate Y2K survival kit from BeCalm.com. You'll receive the Sunburst, the premier wind-up and solar-powered flashlight and radio, a video resource guide with real advice from leading experts, a diagnostic computer program to test your PC. You'll receive three soup samples from Hourglass Foods, food storage you'll want to eat. Plus, you'll receive a step-by-step guide that will show you how to prepare without wasting a single penny. Call now and order your ultimate Y2K survival kit. You get the wind-up and solar-powered flashlight radio, video diagnostic software, food samples and preparation guide, a $90 value, all for only $49.95. Call 1-800-303-8747 now and tell the operator to rush an ultimate Y2K survival kit to your home. Call now. I want to thank Mental Floss, TrueCrimeTrials.com, Slate, Investopedia, New York Times, and Reddit. If you can't get enough of 1999 check out episode 58 of Ghost Town, entitled Woodstock 99. 
You can find Ghost Town wherever you get podcasts. Please rate and review Strange Year wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps. And if you'd like to message me on Instagram, you can do so at Strange Year Pod. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week for another episode of Strange Year. At Crossroads Community Church in Castro Valley, Traditional Values Coalition leader Mark Zapolik makes it his business to urge people to prepare. My personal family plan is to be equipped to be self-sufficient for at least six months. Zapolik believes there will be panic before the new year. In anticipation of runs on the bank. But he contends he's part of the solution, not panic. If the general population doesn't get the hard evidence and true story on this until October, November, December, then it's going to be too late. Pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town. Ghost Town is me, Rebecca Lieb. And me, Jason Horton. And we explore all kinds of weird history, true crime, hauntings, paranormal events, and more. We cover the Slenderman stabbing, Tesla's death ray, the D.B. Cooper copycat, the cheerleader murder plot, Heaven's Gate, the Lars Midtank mystery, and Tuesday's Child, Ellie's first satanic magazine, just to name a few. You can find Ghost Town on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.